0: Better Together has been our church theme, our one-year goal, and our rallying cry throughout 2021. God is using this theme to help us all live out the words of Romans 15, 5, and 6. May God help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are experiencing a year of coming together as a church family, and I cannot think of a more fitting way to end the year and demonstrate that we are better together than with a Christmas initiative that invites our whole church to participate joyfully and generously. It's one thing to say we should be kind and generous to those in need. It's another thing to act, love, and walk in such a way that we sacrifice for that, This is how we conclude the year at Valley Point. We choose organizations and leaders that are making a difference and helping the vulnerable. We set a financial goal, ask the church to give, and then we give all of it away so that the organizations we partner with can accomplish their mission. I'll be talking to you about our goal for the initiative a little later. Today, I want to introduce you to the organizations and their leaders who we will be partnering with for the initiative. These are extraordinary people and leaders on the front lines of living in harmony with others and demonstrating that they are also better together. So thank you for being here. Sit back, relax, enjoy hearing about God's work in our communities and around the world. Most of all, allow God to speak to you and move your heart.
1: John Clifford is president of the Greenhouse Project in Chester, Pennsylvania. Chester became his home while he was experiencing homelessness. A local program called City Team accepted him into their recovery program. And while volunteering, he learned to help meet the immediate and physical needs of those around him through food, shelter, clothing, and other generous donations. He was given a second chance when people saw value in him while he had nothing to offer. Through training and loving neighbors, John was challenged to give back and help the next person, which led him to form the Greenhouse Project. John bought a house in Chester on East 23rd Street. The home has been renovated and is now being used by John and his wife to share meals with neighbors, train others, help with recovery, provide after-school mentoring, and host church gatherings. The Greenhouse Project desires to open a second home in Chester so they can continue reaching their city. Our willingness to put others first and generously share is going to make a difference in the city of Chester.
0: Will you help me welcome John Clifford?
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. John, welcome back to Valley Point. It's great to see you and to hear about the great work that God is doing in and through you in the city of Chester. I know a few years ago, we partnered together for the Christmas initiative, and God really used that and you and your vision and leadership to move the Greenhouse Project forward. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so actually last Sunday was uh, we celebrated two years. Last Sunday was our move-in day, mm. which I know it's kind of similar to your move-in day That's right. over here, uh, but when we look back to our early years, it's because of Valley Point and because of your generosity, it's because of you guys deciding we're better together that those gifts helped us get our programs up and running. Our after-school programs, our recovery ministries, and especially all of our outreach programs, that came out of Valley Point's generosity, so we wouldn't be here today without you and, and the Valley Point family deciding to champion us, so I'd like to ask everybody to give yourselves a round of applause for having compassion <laughs> and, <right>. and <laughs> generosity for us. Yeah. You talk about your
0: building. It's really a home, <laughs> though, so talk about the house.
2: Yeah, so we took a $25,000 crack house that was literally destroyed, mm-hmm. and through volunteers and and, and uh and donors, we were able to 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 raise up this building that that 's a home, but it 's also our mission and what that comes out of was, was there was a family that adopted me in, and, and this whole idea was that we can bring people into our family for life transformation, but everything should happen out of the home, and that 's what we see in the early church it 's almost saying, "Hey, you belong to us, and you can come into our family and we can use our home because our model is we can't reach the whole city we can 't uh, you know, touch 30, 35,000 people, but we can influence uh, one, two, three blocks around, of our, around our house. So uh, people know who you are when they live side by side with you. And it's what scripture tells us to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally love our neighbor. So we decided the people that live around us are our neighbors. Let's love them. <laughs> yeah, let's love them.
0: <laughs> John, you are a story of God's grace. You are a story of redemption, and I know you've shared bits and pieces of this with our church family before, and we've had a lot of time to talk through this, but you walked through homelessness and addiction, a tough life, landed you in prison. Yeah. Upon release, you Mm -hmm. came to live in Chester, and you started to participate in the programming. And even living at City Team, which is another ministry that our church loves as well. And it's there that you found belonging and hope and recovery. You spent several years at City Team working with them and even launching a cafe, which is a beautiful part of how they serve the city. Absolutely. You then stepped out to launch the Greenhouse Project. So tell us about a week at greenhouse, What does it look like Sunday through Saturday? You're in your renovated home in the city there serving the blocks around you. What does a week look like for you?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question because I think whenever somebody's in ministry, they're like, what do you actually do? Do you just right. like hang out all day and pray and stuff? <laughs> and it's a great question. Uh, so Sunday we have, we have uh, prayer and, and church out of our house. Um, Monday evening we host a, a recovery meeting. Tuesday morning, we have a food outreach that drops off food at five locations throughout the city. Uh, Tuesday night, we have discipleship groups meeting at our house. Wednesday, mor- uh, Wednesday afternoon, we have after-school programs for kids. Uh, Thursday is a prep time and set up for our outreach programs, which usually happen Friday night or Saturday. Two, two times out of the month, we're doing some type of outreach to the community, some type of evangelism, some type of serving, and then it repeats over and over and over again. <laughs> But most of the time in our neighborhood has to do with evenings and mornings, people coming over, hanging out on the front porch, having deep conversations, uh, and and, and then recovery coaching and counseling is mixed in through this. So we really live the lifestyle of of ministry as life and life as ministry. So we believe when we use our lives, it's the best way that we can reach our neighbors. Mm -hmm.
0: Greenhouse is fascinating to me because you have your set programs and things that you do, all week long, but there's the constant knock on the door (laughs) and life with people that comes really at all hours, all times.
2: Yeah. And I know
0: we we talk and you share funny stories sometimes (laughs) of, Hey, here's what happened at an early hour or a late hour. And I love how God is using you in, in your location. Share with us a story of a changed life.
2: Yeah, so we, we, we were actually, uh, we, we made a video. Uh, we, we have hundreds of stories on our website underneath mm-hmm. our blog that we share a new story every other week. Uh, but recently, we actually had this idea, what would it be like to look at Greenhouse through the eyes of our neighbors? And, and I thought it would, would be kind of interesting, too, to find out what our neighbors actually think about us. So right. uh, we actually had our family next door, which we consider family now. Uh, Jen and her family. We interviewed them to find out what was it like for us moving in. Because you got to be honest, somebody has to say, "What are these weird people doing here? Right. Why are they moving yeah. in? Why are they fixing up this house? Like, what's going on? Are they coming for us?" You know. Yeah. So um, Jen actually tells the story through her eyes of of what it was like, you know, to come in and what our neighborhood was like before. Mm-hmm. And she shares how there was a lot of uh, um, a lot of drug activity. A lot of, uh, there was a lot of shootings, a lot of trash and things. Uh, So when we came in, they were kind of cautious for a moment. Um, But once we started to build the relationship, uh, it it wasn't us giving them anything. It was us being able to champion their family. So through that, uh, Jen shares the story how how we were able to help them with community cleanups, help help get their uh, kids um, uh, rides to work. um, Yes, some supplies along the way but building them up in the Word of God and always being there to ask questions and to share meals. And, 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 and I knew we had a close contact when one day we were doing church outside during COVID that uh, Jen made us a big pot of Puerto Rican rice, which was ridiculous. And I got to say, I ate most of it myself because it's <laughs> so good. But um, th- through Jen's eyes that uh, uh, her life has been changed and her family dynamic has been mm. changed. Because we've been there to show up with the love of Jesus Christ. Mm. And, and we can see those relationships pop up all throughout our community. Uh, so, yeah, th- they've definitely been an impact. As a matter of fact, she was texting me this morning saying, hey, can you help with this? You know, I'm in an emergency. So, oh. yeah, yeah th- th- they're so close to us that mm. in the video, Jen says, I'm happy to have them as part of our family. Yeah. That's the goal, right? Yeah, it <laughs> is.
0: So your goal, your dream, when you stepped out in faith and started the Greenhouse Project was that it wouldn't be just one home in Chester. You actually sensed, not knowing how it all worked, but you sensed God would lead you eventually to open up another home and then have someone join your ministry team and live in that house and do the same things in a different part of Chester that you're doing in your home and serve those blocks as well. Recently, you had a home donated yeah. to you for this purpose, which is so exciting. Talk a little bit about how our generosity with this year's Christmas initiative is going to help start renovations on that home so that more of the love of Christ can be spread in a new area. Talk about that. Yeah, so
2: here's the backstory, right? right? So, we went through our, uh, early on, God gave us, when he gave us the initial vision to go small and, and to really love people and communities and to live side by side with the people uh, we really want to influence with the gospel of Jesus Christ, God called us to, from the beginning to be, to launch five locations, to be in the five most challenged areas of Chester, because that's my background. I came from doing a lot of shenanigans there. Um, so we went through our first project, and I got to be honest, at the end, when we finally got through the building project and we got up and running. I told God, I'm like, I don't ever want to do this again. Like I'm done. Like <laughs> I'm out, please call someone else. And, uh, in the springtime we're praying and God just keeps hammering. heat's like, Up, we're going to, we're going to move you to be, uh, have multiple families in multiple locations. And we had a family say, they sent us a text. It was like six 40 in the morning. We have little kids If anybody's little kids. You get what it's like to be up early. And they said, Hey, uh, are you looking for a second location? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, what do you want? I'm like, Oh, that's a no brainer. 10 acres, 10,000 square feet, completely <laughs> renovated building, fully furnished and paid for. And I got those dot, 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 dot back in the text. And he goes, we don't have any of that, but we have a three-bedroom three, three bedroom house on the west side. We'd like to bless you guys with it because we see that the work that you're doing, and we believe that this house can be used for the community. Mm. Um, so we, we were able to get that uh, donated and closed, I think, in the end of January. But that's going to be our second location, which means... We are already hosting prayer nights. We hosted a prayer night there last night. We're doing some minor renovations. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing evangelism in the community, and we want to set up the same, uh, the same outreach that we have here in a second location. And we knew we couldn't do that with a, without a family. Right. So uh, over this past year, we had the privilege to bring on Donnie Martin and Rachel Martin on staff with us, and I had the privilege to ordain Donnie. And they're going to be the shepherds for for this area, God gave them that, that calling before we even got the house, mm. which is interesting because it's another family that was like, "I don't think we want to be in urban areas." And God's like, "Oh, okay. Tell me about that. I'm sending you to urban areas." <laughs> <Right>. So, um, <laughs> literally, the gifts that you guys are giving us is going to help us with with the renovations and starting the project. So, we'll, you know, hopefully, we can get that finished uh, shortly. So, um, Eric, I have to say, the bigger gift than the financial piece that you've blessed us with is our friendship and our mentorship, being able to spend a lot of time with you, um, and just being able to pick your brain. It's because of you and, and obviously the Valley Point family, but you guys have helped formed us. And, you know, uh, I've, Bob Leonetti's on our board and, and there's been a lot of volunteers down here. So we really consider you guys family. And, uh, so I, I, I want to say thank you to you personally for pouring into me. Um, you know, uh, it, I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much.
0: Well, we love you and your wife, who is going to have a new baby girl. They've this got a Friday. girl coming this Friday. This Friday, so, so yeah. We only do yeah. holiday babies, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they have a son, so they're going to add a sweet little girl to the mix. And we love you, and we love the Greenhouse Project and how God is using it to be a bright light in a place that needs it. So thank you for your commitment to Jesus and for your partnership in the gospel. We look forward to seeing how God uses our generosity to help the Greenhouse Project move forward. Will you help me thank John Clifford?
3: Thank you, guys.
4: Megan Ratnam serves with GoMad or Go Make a Difference in the Dominican Republic. The main purpose of their work is to stop the cycle of poverty by educating children, helping them graduate from school, keeping them healthy so that they can stay in school, and training them to get a job. Within the villages where GoMad serves, there is an English school and a children's Bible study. There is a medical clinic and a doctor where care is received, and for those 18 and over, technical skill training. Restoring hope and creating opportunity for the exploited and the vulnerable is a priority. Megan Ratnam, who has worked with several of our teams that have served in the DR, is the executive director. We have a team that will be going to the DR in 2022 to serve and to love. Our willingness to put others first and to generously share is going to make a difference in the Dominican Republic.
0: Well, this is Megan's first time in our church home. Will you welcome her to Valley Point? (laughs) (laughs) Megan, it's a joy to have you here. And I feel like you are part of our church family, even though you've never been in our church home before because you host and you participate in all of the trips that our church takes to the Dominican. And I wanna personally thank you for loving our church and for loving our people, for being patient and kind with us when Delco invades the Dominican. Thank you for that. You are a missionary. That's who you are and you were called to the Dominican. Tell us about that process of being called to the DR.
3: All right. It was so funny. So it's 2002. I'm a youth pastor in, uh, in Canada. And uh, my senior pastor comes to my office and he says, Megan, I want you to take the youth on a mission trip. Now, I'd never been on a mission trip before. And I don't know what the first thing about mission trips, but I figured the first thing we have to do is figure out a place. Right. And so, you know, I asked the spirit to help me and I had a globe in front of me. And, and I said, God, where do you want to take me? And I spun the globe and, and I made sure that my finger was south. And, uh, and I put my finger down on the globe, and, and it was a Dominican. And so it's like, all right, we're going to the Dominican. And uh, so I took the group there. And then a few years later, I'm at a new church, and that church was uh, had started taking teams down to the Dominican Republic to work in a community called Carabayu. Yeah. And so I started leading those teams. And then in 2009, my husband and my church, they gave me their blessing to leave them for the summers and start spending my summers living in Carabayu. And so I did that in 2009 and, and 2010. And then it was in 2010, my, my husband was a little ticked off with me. And he's like, look, this is my dream, not your dream. Like, why can't we just move <laughs> down there permanently? And, and so it's like, all right, well, let's just figure it out and try it and see, see where this takes us. And so that's how we got to the Dominican. <laughs>
0: It's fascinating to me how God often works in unique and mysterious ways, and sometimes even in spite of who we are, to place us where he wants us and where yeah, we definitely need to be. In,
3: despite who I am, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so you serve with GO MAD, which stands for Go Make a Difference. Describe it for us.
3: Yeah, so our goal is to eliminate all the reasons why people struggle to find a job. And we work right now in five different communities. We're gonna be starting our sixth community in uh, hopefully soon in January. And, um, and our goal is to eliminate all those reasons, one being like education, uh, another being documentation, making sure that people are documented. Um, health is a huge reason. And then just um, empowering people, helping them know that they can because um, they just struggled so much that, uh, that just saying that you can do it makes a huge difference. What excites you right now about your work
0: and your calling in the DR? What gets you fired up and ready to go back?
3: Yeah, so I think what really excites me right now, I've been in the Dominican for 10 years now, mm. and, uh, and what's so cool is the difference that I see in the community. In the community that I'm working in personally, when we first got there, 1 in 10 families had 1 person working Mm. in their household, 1 in 10. And now that stat is 9 in 10. People are finding jobs. And what is so (laughs) cool is wherever I go, I'm seeing people from the community working at the restaurants, at the airport, in tourism. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's amazing. I didn't know it was going to work. I mean, I, but it's amazing. It's working. And people people are working. And the dignity that you have to be able to provide for your family, mm. it has changed the community. And what is so cool is that this community that was once just surviving is a community that's now thriving. And they want to now go into other communities and work in other communities. And so they're, they're paying it forward. They're giving it back. They see what God has done Um, for them and they want to do the same thing in other communities and it's absolutely amazing just to see a community um, that was once downtrodden and now they're excited. Mm. Share a story with us. Encourage us with a change life. Well, once upon a time. So, (laughs) um, there's this family that I met in two thousand mm. and ten, uh, and it's a family it was a family of nine children and uh, and their oldest brother was McKendy mm. and I met McKen when he was twelve years old and McKen basically took care of his brothers and sisters. They all have different fathers, and their mother lived in Santa Domingo five hours away and mm. so he was taking care of his brothers and sisters. He was a kid and mm. uh, and so coming alongside his family, they were all born um, to parents who were Haitian and as a result for many different reasons n- none of them had any documentation which is a setback all in itself but being able to walk alongside McKen and his brothers and his sisters and uh, and McKen he he's now graduated high school he's going to be going to university soon and uh, and and watching them them thrive and grow they the older kids they grew up in this in this um, terrible poverty. But the younger ones, the older ones are taking care of the younger ones. And, uh, and they're not allowing their younger brothers and sisters to have the life that they, have, mm. that they had. And so the older ones, they're, they're working, they're in school, and, uh, and they're making sure that their younger brothers and sisters are working and going in school. And coming alongside them, and then also just trying to help them be children and not to be the adults that that they were forced into, but allowing them to also have some type of a childhood as well. Mm -hmm. It's been such an amazing privilege to walk alongside this family. Mm.
0: You've mentioned it a few times, the value, and this is part of what you guys have been called to do, the value of learning English and then documentation. Like that's a really big deal in the villages. Talk about the importance of those two things.
3: Yeah, so first of all, like, I mean, documentation is huge. If you do not have a birth certificate, um, you don't have a name. You don't have an existence. Nobody, nobody claims you as their own. And so for a lot of the children in the communities, they had no birth certificate. And, uh, and as a result, they have no right to an education past, grades, uh, past grade 8. They have no right to work. They're constantly in this state of fear of being deported to a country that they've never been. But then when they get to the border of that country, the country says, well, they're not ours. And so then they're in this limbo of never having a place. And so in 2014 and 15, the government uh, changed some rules, and uh, and they, they allowed a process for those who didn't have birth certificates to get their birth certificates, and for those who were living in the Dominican illegally um, to become legal. And at that point, I also was living in the Dominican illegally, so I also uh, became legal through that process. And, uh, and what's so cool is... Um, is that we worked so hard. We had a short period of time to raise $45,000 to be able to help everybody in the community. And Valley Point was a huge part in that. Um, But in it all, we were able to give 350 children, their Dominican birth certificates, Mm. and we are able to help 450 um, Haitians get their legal status in the Dominican Republic, which means that they're allowed to go to school, they're allowed to work, they're given all rights and privileges of a Dominican citizen, and it has changed their lives and it's changed their community. Mm. And then with the English program is, uh, well, one, I mean, that way they can talk to me, um, and so that's really important. I mean, I I, I, learned, I know I know Spanish, guys, come on, but but you know, <laughs> I'm more comfortable in English. And um, but also, it's a country based on tourism, and tourism a huge industry. And so to know English puts you so much farther ahead than everybody else. And we're seeing people in our English programs um, who've who've gone through English programs, and they're getting jobs. And one of the number one reasons why they're finding jobs is because they know English. Mm-hmm.
0: It's process
3: or process, depending on what
0: shul you went to. That's my only joke for the day. That's, that's a good one. joke. Yeah, it's yeah, good. that's
3: good. Yeah.
0: Megan, our generosity with our Christmas initiative this year I think is gonna really help significantly. Can you paint a picture? of how you see that being used?
3: Ah, most definitely. You guys have partnered with us since 2012 with our English school. We, uh, we had one English school. We had about 30 English students. And, uh, and now we have five English schools. We're gonna be starting our sixth English school. We have over 200 English students, and, uh, and you guys are gonna be helping with that as well. We partnered with the university to create a GoMad textbook. Nice. And so now we have a GoMad textbook with five different levels, and each child gets their own textbook, which is huge because in the school system, the teacher writes the textbook on the chalkboard, and the student writes the textbook into their notebooks. And for these kids to have their own book that they can write in, that they can take home with them and bring back with them, has just elevated their, um, their not only their excitement, but their own importance that, mm. that they are important, that we're doing this for them. Mm. And so this English, uh, our English schools are huge, and they are making a huge impact um, on them, on jobs, and, uh, and just on their own um, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. In
0: 2022, we have a trip planned to Woo-hoo! the DR, and so many of you have gone in the past And it's just a a wonderful place to experience. I've been there a couple of times and love it. This is going to be a family-friendly trip that's after school. Talk a little bit about what we'll be doing during that trip, because part of our initiative will also help with that project.
3: Yeah, so if you've been before, um, I, if, if, if you've been before, I wanna encourage you to come again. I mean, when you come to the Dominican, you just get a snapshot of what it's like today. But to, uh, but to come again and to see the differences that have taken place, to see the changes that have been made because, um, because of us, because of them, because together, you know, we can make a huge impact on each other. And uh, so I want to encourage you to come. But, uh, but when you come, uh, there's going to be a lot of things going on. Uh, one, children. If you like children, uh, you got to come. If you don't like children, you will. You'll have no choice. It's kind of like they're just going to be, yeah. Um, but also, so we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with the kids. Um, as well, we're going to be doing a construction project. And every time when groups come, we sit down with the leaders and we say, OK, a group's coming. What would you like them to do? What would you like them to build? And so we were sitting around and we were coming up with some ideas And then somebody says, you know what? We want a sign. We want a sign that says Carabayu. And everyone's like, yeah, a sign. And uh, and I'm like, really? Like, we can be doing like a sign? And they're like, could you imagine? Could you imagine? We're going to have a name. We're going to be known. When people come to Carabayu, they're going to know that they're in Carabayu. I mean, this... This community was a community that, that's been ignored. They, they're in the middle of nowhere in the sugarcane fields. They all worked for the sugarcane company, but when the sugarcane company went bankrupt in 2003, they were now all unemployed. And they were considered in some ways like the parasite in the country. Mm. Just like, you know, just taking, 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 but not giving. And they're now a community that is so proud to be them because now they're starting to give back. And so they're like, we want a sign. We want everyone to know that we're Carabayum. And this sign that they're building, like it's not like, I mean, this sign, like each letter is this tall. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And so when you come in, it's like you know that you're in Caribayu. And so I'm like, all right, a sign. I mean, who doesn't want to be known?
0: That's right that's right so our initiative kind of helps put them on the map yeah. which is a beautiful thing uh,
3: even better no, that's really cool too but along with that is um, we're going to be having an english school party that's we right. have over 200 students in our english school and we're going to gather all together and we're going to be having a whole lot of fun with them and the students they know about this party and they're already talking about it and people are joining our english school because this party's happening mm,
0: that's great so that'll all happen in June, and if you're interested in that trip, you can sign up today at the Just For You table in the lobby. That's not committing you to go. It just is about being interested, and we'll keep communicating with you, or maybe it is committing you. I'm not sure. We'll find out. <laughs> Megan, it's it's a real joy to have you here today to just share with the Valley Point family what God is doing in the DR, and the different villages with our generosity in the past and certainly what will be happening in the future. All of this, it's a a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. We're proud of you. We love you. Will you help me thank Megan?
1: (laughs) Pastor Paul Adams Sr. founded Cornerstone Christian Ministries in Chester, Pennsylvania and serves as the senior pastor Founded in 2013, Cornerstone's passion is to restore souls and grow a great Christian community through service, ministering, witnessing, and mentoring in the name of Jesus. They seek to be a conduit to reach the searching and unconnected people. Just this year, Cornerstone Christian Ministries, with its unique mission of inspiring social change for children, youth, and families through education, positive youth development, and leadership blessed over 1,000 families through their book bag giveaway and other community activities. Cornerstone provides a grief care for children who have lost a parent or a sibling to gun violence. They also help adolescents address peer relations, body image, drug and alcohol use, mental health, coping skills, and goal setting. Cornerstone provides books, toys, and coats to those in need. They love their location. And dynamically serve. Our willingness to put others first and generously share is going to make a difference in the city of Chester.
0: Will you help me welcome Pastor Paul Adams Sr. (laughs) You are the senior pastor for Cornerstone Christian Ministries in Chester which began in 2013. You were the one who launched that and As we were preparing for this, I I love the vision for the church. You stated this way, we exist to restore souls and grow a great Christian community through service, ministering, witnessing, and mentoring in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this vision because I think it captures what the early church was doing as it was formed. So tell us more about Cornerstone and how you function and how you love your community.
5: Amen, amen. <laughs> well, can I, can I just. Can,
0: you can. The church say
5: amen? <laughs> amen, amen. Amen. I tell you, Cornerstone Christian Ministries, we're uh, unique in our ability to do much with less. Mm. God has blessed us with a caring heart members with a caring heart to go out and minister, to give our own, to give our all to the needy, those searching, those that are looking for a conduit to fill in when they're trying to find their way. Um, One thing I could say, when Cornerstone started in 2013, uh, July 13th, 2013 was our first service I knew that seven people were going to be in that service. <laughs> seven. I have a picture of my phone that we had over 75 people mm. The first service. We were in a building that was down on 3rd Street in Chester. It had 89 seats. <laughs> Week three, we didn't have enough seats. Mm. And that's how God has moved us and continued to move us Throughout, just having his way, as we continue to be obedient to him. Uh, we're, we're based out of a, Ephesians 2:19 and 20, mm. which simply tells us that we are no longer strangers nor foreigners, but we are now fellow citizens mm. with the saints and the household of God. It goes on and lets us know that we are built on the foundations from the apostles That's right. and the prophets. And Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Mm. And we stand there on that. Amen.
0: That's right. Amen. Amen. (laughs) What excites you about Cornerstone and what you're seeing today? What gets you fired up and ready to go back and serve?
5: Every time I think that we have. Let me back up. Every time I think that God has said, okay, you did that. God has another plan. He already has something in store. What do I need next? What is it that you would have us to do next? We're not a ministry that sits on our hands. We don't stand back in the corner. We go out. We service the community. If somebody has a need and Cornerstone finds out about it, that need will be met beyond measure. Mm. Whatever. If it's fix a meal, if it's bring a meal, you need clothing, you need school supplies. You need help in school. You need tutoring. You need mentoring. You need fathering, mothering. You just need somebody to just say hello, give you a hug. Cornerstone will be there, and we'll do it with exceeding joy in our hearts and, and just a will to keep going forward. Mm. We, we, we won't take no for an answer. Mm. Mm. And that passion that's there, I, I just thank God. Because if it had not been the vision that he put in place, uh, as I share with Pastor Eric, this is not where I was headed. Right. This is not where I was headed. I was called into the ministry when I was 11 years old. I ran for a while. I said, no, that's not for me. Others looked and said, yes, that's you. Others looked and said, he's just acting. But in their license and everything back in the early 90s mm-hmm. and... Look at what God is just doing. Mm. And it's not what I'm doing. It's what he's doing in that ministry. Mm.
0: God has a really unique way of getting the attention of people who kind of run from him. Right?
5: Yes, he does.
0: <laughs> and you're a story of that. So share a story with us of a changed life through Cornerstone.
5: Well, we have so many Um, I'm going to share a story because I know that um, we partner with uh, Dr. Rodney Bradley and Friends Choir who's also my church Dr. Rodney Bradley is my church administrator Mm -hmm. and we have so many different ministries I'm I'm really going to share a story of his Mm -hmm. because it just impacted life in such an awesome way. We started a group that was called A Grief Share Uh, For those that are going through bereaving and and we all know that grieving is for real and it takes time It's It's a process. So we started grief share and had a class going on and one night one of the classes ended and there was an individual that was there that had to leave to go to work and Leaving to go to work things transpired what he was going through in his life and our own Dr. Bradley happened to be home late that evening, I I believe, I'm I'm talking really, 3 a.m. in the morning, Mm. and popped on Facebook. And on Facebook was this individual who was about to take his life. And he mentioned that he had been at the group share, but because he had to leave, he felt a void. Dr. Bradley went and met with this individual, reached out to him, got his contact information, called him, talked, if if I could say, talked him off the ledge, Mm. got him to a hospital, went to the hospital, and ministered to him just to have this individual come back, tell his family about Cornerstone and about how we had been. So upon that happening, the Lord let in my spirit that... We can't just do this one time. Mm. So, Grief Share became a ministry at Cornerstone. Mm. And not only for adults, but for our young people, because they're going through, too. When you lose a loved one, it's not just about the one that was the spouse, the mate, or the friend. You have children involved that also go through a process. And we just want to make sure that nobody gets left behind. So, here at Cornerstone... Our, our passion and what we love is just being able to help somebody. Mm-hmm. And if we can continue to do that, one person, 10 people, 100 people, whatever comes our way, and anything that we need to do within this ministry to make it happen.
0: Mm. Paint a picture of how you see our Christmas initiative supporting and helping the mission of Cornerstone.
5: Amen. Well, the first thing I will pull up this morning, and better together. Yeah. Truer words have never been spoken, because Mm -hmm. we can all do more when we all work together. That's right. At Cornerstone, you know, we we can all... Whatever we may be doing on this side, we can do on that side and so forth. And just, if we get like-minded, imagine what we could do. Mm-hmm. We as saints, we as Christians, we as brothers and sisters of the household of God. That's right. So here at Cornerstone, some of the things that we have planned for this initiative as God has led us uh, to continue to minister and fester, to grow, if you will, we have been identified one as a yellow ribbon site and yellow, yellow ribbon for our service people. Uh, armed forces that are veterans that have experienced homelessness, the, that are going hungry, that that are in need of clothing because of the effects that the war has had on them as they defend it for each and one, each and every one of us. We we provide for them. Uh, the Bible tells us that you should clothe, feed, visit those that are in prison, clothed and naked. And if you're doing all these things, you can't leave anybody out. Mm. You can't seclude anybody. So that's one of the things that we're doing. Another one is our victim awareness program that's for our young people. Because once again, I state, we as adults handle, try to handle things, try to bear it up amongst us. But what about our young people? Mm. What about what they're going through? What about those... Now, Cornerstone is in the city of Chester on the streets of Chester. There are things that go on within the city that can be very traumatic. Mm. But when a young man or young woman loses their best friend to gun violence, to, to, to abuse, how do you just take them and say it'll be all right, and leave them. You gotta be able to nurture. You gotta be able to share. So our victim awareness program for our young people is so that they can be involved, so that they can see how this is not the end. Uh, Revenge is not the answer.
0: Mm.
5: Uh, Getting back is not the way, but to just be able to embrace them because they need love also. Mm -hmm. Another program we have that we're looking forward to starting is our Girls Circle. Um, Coming up through the city and coming up in life, one of the things that we have seen is our young ladies. We want them to understand their self-worth. We want them to be proud of who they are, the queens that they are throughout. And so often things get missed. You run into peer pressure, you run into bullying, you run into uh, "My hair doesn't look like somebody else's hair, or I don't have the same clothes that they have." But we have taken, and we're trying to get our young ladies together to be able to be mentors to them, to be able to show them lady-like, woman-like, queen-like, and their self-worth. Mm. So that's another program we have going on. And then a program that we call uh, Beating the Odds. Mm -hmm. Beating the Odds is a program that is partnership between Cornerstone Christian Ministries and Dr. Rodney Bradley and Friends Choir. We're taking young people, once again, as you know, our target is young people. And and before I close, I'm going to let you know why our target is young people. (laughs) But... The young people, we're taking middle school, elementary, high school students that are excelling academically, that are leaders within that don't have a voice, Mm. and we're recognizing them, mentoring them, putting them on a stage, if you will, putting them up on a podium, on a platform, where other young people can see that you don't have to be ashamed, you don't have to be the one that says, I can't carry my books the one that says, I, I got to act a certain way in school or else they'll think something's wrong. We're going to make it so that what we call the in crowd would be the out crowd because now everybody else is going and going and gathering towards, I can make a difference mm. because they are our future. Right? And, and I share with Pastor Eric that one of the things that you see uh, when I look around this room, do, do not know how you got where you are now. Mm. But for those that have been in church or were in church when they were younger and now are back in church, have done some of the things that are out there say, okay, I got to get my life together. I got to get my life back to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know and you can reflect on, you used to be in church all the time. There was always something going on. You knew on Sunday you didn't have to worry about watching the football game. Because you were going to be in church all day. I'm glad y'all laughed because it's the truth. <laughs> Amen. That's right. But if I could just give you an analogy, and this is one of the analogies we use at Cornerstone that I use in trying to minister. That the Angel Mama pancake box. Angel Mama pancake box back in the day, for those who can remember, she had a scarf on her head. She had a big apron on. And she was like somebody working in a kitchen. If you take a moment to look at the Angel Mama pancake box today, you will see Angel Mama has a bob weave haircut. She has earrings on, makeup on, lipstick on. Angel Mama is looking very fine. <laughs> this is my point. We've got to do what we need to do to continue to share the word of God. And the Mama pancake box has changed over the years to be more appealing, but the ingredients are still the same. Mm. God's word has got to get to everybody, amen?
0: That's, that's right, that's right, amen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a joy to partner with you this year and Cornerstone, and we look forward to growing our relationship. We love the vision that God has called you to do. And we can't wait to see how all of this works out to help you do what God has called you to do through Cornerstone. Will you help me thank Pastor Paul Adams
4: Sr. one more time? Thank you so much. Joe and Robin Oster lead something new called the 825 Organization. Joe and Robin are part of the Valley Point Church family, and we are proud to call them friends. The 825 organization mission is simple, to provide without cost items for children and their families. Things like educational games, activities, DVDs, crayons, and other items that bring a smile while they are admitted at CHOP for long-term medical care. Their focus is on families with kids who have multiple medical problems and diseases that often do not receive a lot of outside attention Our willingness to put others first and to generously share is going to make a difference for families walking through difficult circumstances and long-term care with their children.
0: Will you help me welcome Joe and Robin Oster? (laughs) I'm excited about partnering with you this year in the 825 organization because it's beautiful and impactful. And certainly a very real part of who you are as a family. So tell us about 825, please.
6: Well, 825 uh, was born out of death. Mm. Uh, our daughter, Abigail, at the age of 15, went into the presence of our Lord. Um, she was born at 34 weeks with a host of medical problems and lived a full fun life. Mm. Um, However, 825, the significance of that is that she spent 825 days in the hospital, all of them pretty much at CHOP. Um, And she spent most of the time on a particular floor. A lot of times we were in the ICU as well because she was pretty critical at times. But the floor that she stayed on, um, they were wonderful to us. They or to her, not um, I guess us, all of us as a family, but there would be times that we'd be in the emergency room for hours on end and we would get up to the room and they would have her princess castle and her pirate ship waiting on the mm. table for her. And she would walk in the room and she'd go, oh, my pirate ship, my princess <laughs> castle. And so when she passed and we had her memorial service, we wanted... Um, We wanted it to mean something. We didn't want just flowers brought or gifts of money given to us or donated to just anything. So we had asked people to bring brand new toys still in the package to her memorial service because we wanted to collect 825 toys, one for each day that she was in the hospital, and donate them to the child life room that so graciously, helped her to be a kid while she was inpatient, mm. and our other children because they took care of them too. And while we didn't meet that goal in her memorial service, um, a couple years later, or not even a couple of years, the following year, Joe's coworkers got wind of, we didn't meet that goal. And so they said, we have to meet this goal. And they then did a drive at his work, and we far exceeded that goal, and mm-hmm. money came in as well. And there's a man at Joe's work called the Crayon Fairy that <laughs> he will provide Crayola crayons, a case of them, and a, and a case of crayon coloring books, not crayon, case of coloring books um, for the kids, and... Um, we just have to call him up throughout the year yeah. and he'll supply them for the, for the child life room on this particular unit for us. And then the following year, Joe got a, got a call from his coworker, and she said, we want to have a happy hour. And he's like, okay. She said, but we want it to mean something. We want people to donate um, to what you and Robin are doing and what Joe and I had ended up getting wind of was that at Christmas time, the unit had started purchasing PJs for the kids on Christmas Eve. And Joe and I got so excited because we were like, oh, this is something we could do because we used to purchase Christmas Eve pajamas for our kids every Christmas. It was just a tradition that we did. And we said, instead of this being all about Abby, we wanted to honor our kids this way. And so we kind of, took on the theme of PJs for Patients. (laughs) So Mm. um, his work got wind of this and said, we want to be a part of this, and we would like to come alongside of you. And so at our happy hour, we would like to raise funds for PJs for Patients. And we were like, well, okay, that sounds like a great idea. So we made an appearance at the happy hour and we were completely blown away as, Mm a couple thousand dollars had come in, which was far exceeding what we had ever imagined. And they were literally stuffing money in Joe's coat pocket um, (laughs) as we were there. And we were just sobbing because we were just so humbled. Mm. But what that money did was not only allowed us to purchase the PJs for all the kids on the unit, um, but it allowed us to support them through the year with getting some activities and toys for the kids on the unit. Um, fast forward to this year, um, we have already raised enough funds for PJs for patients for this year, because they have to purchase them now in order to have them in time, um, and I've already sent the check out for them, which we're so excited about that we can do this. And um, But to be able to just, you know, reach out to the families there, and in that way in honor of all of our children Mm. not just abby Mm.
0: talk about the uniqueness of the floor and the unit there that you try to focus on in your work
7: so the floor we mainly got admitted to was eight south Uh, this is a uh, not a cardiology floor an oncology floor which you see whenever the celebrities go to chop they always go to those floors and this is a floor with a lot of chronically ill families who come in and have numerous admissions, and these are kids that are very familiar with it. Shortly before Abby passed, Abby asked Robin and I, can I go to the hospital and say goodbye to my friends? So we got to the floor. They had this huge, I wish we had a picture, Eric, but it, uh, we, they had a huge picture. 8 South loves Abby mm. and all their signatures on it. And i never forget Abby looking at Robin and saying, Mom, look, they love me. <laughs>
0: mm.
7: They certainly do. Mm. And this is also, we've kind of learned from the School of Hard Knocks of how to do this, being parents, but this is also for the opportunity for Robin and I to come alongside of a lot of parents who are, this is just, the world gets rocked. You know, you're cruising along in a pregnancy, next thing you know, some parents don't find out till their kids are born, and then Rob and I have walked through this one, and we have partnered with them, and we'll sit and we'll take the families out for lunch, and you know, Rob, I work at Penn, Rob works at CHOP, she has the opportunity to go sit with these parents, and you know, just to provide for the parents is just such a, a, such a blessing. And it's whatever comes up, gift cards. You know, when, when uh, people come in there, the last admission at Abby's the hospital, they presented Rob and I with a gift card and a food voucher. And we had never gotten one. We were admitted 76 times at a hospital. And it was never about the money for us. But we wanted to be able to say, well, you know what? When the kids are admitted, let's give the kids something, but let's give the parents a Starbucks gift card. There's a Starbucks right across the street. Let's provide something for the family and their other children. Some children have no parent. Rob and I were afforded the opportunity to where we could both our works are very agreeable for allowing us to one of us would always be there. There are some single moms, single parents who have or, or their kids alone and they've nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So we can provide and when the child life says, you know, also in his Eric when someone says, "Joe, we have this thing, Rob, we have this neat. Yes, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. We got it get it. just we don't say no. we don't say no. Mm. Don't say no. Mm. That's, what a blessing that is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just awesome.
0: Share a story of a life transformed and impacted through A25?
6: Um, there's a physician at Chop that, who was my favorite physician, and I don't even think I told you this the other day. Um, Abby had named a Barbie doll after her, which was oh. a huge thing because Abby funny. loved Barbie dolls. Um, And after her passing, I took that Barbie doll and presented it to her, and we both had a huge cry fest. But um, this physician contacted me one day and said, "Um, Robin, I have something to share with you. I hope I can get through this. And I I said, what is it? And she said, well, I'm just coming back from maternity leave. And I said, yes. And she said, I... I had a son. And I said, oh, and she said, I was going to abort him. And she said, I found out during my pregnancy that he had Down syndrome. Hmm. And my husband and I just felt like we didn't want to take that on and we were going to abort him. She said, but I stopped and I looked at you and Joe. And I said, what a blessing Abby was to you too. And how wonderful she was. And I said, if Joe and Robin can do this, I can do this too. And I was crying on the phone with her. And I said, welcome to our world. He is going to rock your world and enjoy the ride. And so to this day, I I just talked to her actually just a couple weekends ago. And um, every Down syndrome day, Joe and I text her, we wear our silly socks. And check in to see how she's doing and she just says he is the love of my life Mm. she has four other kids but Mm. there's just you know with a special needs child there's always just something special with that one
0: Mm. our christmas initiative i think is going to make a significant impact can you paint a picture of how you see that being used
6: um I spoke with the child life person on the unit, and they've gotten hit really hard with COVID. They can't accept any toys. Usually they have like the motorcycle groups come down with toys. They can't accept any toys from anybody anymore. um, So they have to order everything in. So we have been supplying, because of last year's donations um, through Joe's coworkers, We've been able to supply some things through that and um, even um, a gift card to Target for a refugee family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hoping this year, I said to her, you know, what can we do? Think big. And I said, how's the child life room looking? Just on a whim, I said it. And she said, oh, it's really bad. She said, we have almost no toys left. Um, things are really bare because we have nothing. And I said, well, how about a whole overhaul? And she was like, that would be so totally incredible. So that would be one thing on the agenda. And then to just kind of boost them up with a lot of gift cards, Starbucks, gift cards to the chop gift shop, because when you're there, it's $10 a meal. Multiply that by three meals a day. Parking is, I don't even know what, it might be up to $7 a day, it used to be five. Um, But if you multiply our 825 days times $30 a day, and that would be just for one of us, but if all four of us were there, Mm. um, plus $5 a day in parking, it's a lot of money. And so just to have that. Plus the other thing is because I work at CHOP, I have the unique ability of being able to get to the bedside Um, And so if anybody ever knows anybody that's down there, just reach out to me and I will be happy to go down and sit with them Mm. and pray with them and meet a need.
0: You both work. You have a beautiful family. I'm thankful that you're also part of the Valley Point family and you call this your church home. We love you both and we're excited to partner with you for this year's Christmas initiative. Will you help me thank Joe and Robin? (laughs) Well, in closing, I just wanna share with you a few details and then you'll be hearing more about this in the days to come with all five of our ministry partners. We have a goal between now and Sunday, January the 16th, to raise $125,000 to give away to these ministry partners. I want to encourage you to begin praying about what God might want you to do and how you can open your heart and your hands and become generous in the process so that these partners can take what God has asked them to do to new levels. Beginning now, you can give here at Valley Point, and you will need to designate your giving as the Christmas initiative, and you can write that on a memo section of your check or in an envelope. Also, you can give online, and there's a place for you to mark that this is for the Christmas initiative. That is open now through January the 16th. I do want to share this quote with you just in terms of generosity. Can you share that with us? Giving is, among other things, an exercise in turning loose of what we have in our little kingdom to enter into the amazing reciprocity that God has built into the human heart. So within all of us is a desire to give and share and sacrifice. And I want everyone here at Valley Point, our children are going to participate in this. Our students in sixth through twelfth grade are going to participate all of our adults I want you to begin thinking now what does God want for me and from me so that I can help the work of Christ in different ways and in different places here in our communities and in a few spots around the world go forward so you begin praying and let's see what God does through all of us will you stand with me thank you so much for being here I hope you have a wonderful Sunday happy Thanksgiving to you Have a great time celebrating, and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless. You're dismissed.